Well, <clears throat> this is continuing uh, the You Ask For It series. We are uh, preaching uh, um, messages that you requested us to preach. And so uh, several of you said, uh, give us a message on prayer and how it works. Uh, I need to say to you something that you already know. Giving you a message on prayer is a little bit uh, like giving you the, uh, the introduction to uh, neurosurgery in 15 minutes. Um, there's just a lot more than we can ever mention in one lesson. But we haven't got a year <clears throat> because God's got something else for us to talk about. And what is important is to remember that it's not really like neurosurgery because the technicalities of prayer can be explained in a very short uh, time period. By the time you get done this morning, simply from reading this outline, you know all of the technicalities of prayer. <clears throat> One of the things that we have a fear of sometimes is, well, we're not praying, we're missing something in our prayer life, or there's something major, and that's the reason our prayer lives aren't going anywhere. The technicalities are fairly simple, <clears throat> and they are in the bulletin. One of <clears throat> one better analogy <clears throat> is that prayer is more like marriage. The technicalities of marriage are very short, and what happens after you go through those technicalities, and what effort you put into it, and how you follow it up, is very important. And so what I'd like to do is go through some of the technicalities this morning, but more than that, <clears throat> I'd like to talk about how you follow up prayer life. First, let's talk about why pray. Basically, last week I told you that in the Bible, God's will, the word will, has two Greek words. One is bulima, and it means that God has a certain will that will be accomplished whether or not we cooperate. He's going to get it done. And he's going to make sure it comes to pass. That's how we know what the future of this world is. He has a purpose. He has an end. He has a bulima. And we know that no matter how many of us cooperate, he's going to get it done. But there is also a Greek word with a different prefix, thelima. And thalima means God's will that is all set to go off. All he needs is our cooperation. Something that has been given to us, but yet he is waiting for us to make the connection. Did you ever have something uh, go wrong with a TV set or, or, a, or a car? And somebody comes over who knows about those things and... You know, you look in there, it looks like spaghetti to you. But somebody comes over and he says, oh, it's just a loose wire. And he fastens the wire and the whole thing starts up. Well, that's what telima is. It is a loose wire waiting for a connection. And that's what prayer is. And that's what the, the Greek word <clears throat> in this verse, if we ask anything according to his will, it, the Greek word is thelema, according to the way we need to get connected so that God can complete the circuit and bring into being what he has already given to us in our lives. Now, um, I want you to notice something here. 
God has already given us much to ask for, much to connect with. I lost my wallet this week for about the fourth time this year. Went to my wife, said, honey, lost my wallet again. Now, usually a wife would look at you and say, you lunkhead. This is the fourth time this year. Tie it to your eardrum, you know, whatever, you know. But she did. She said, well, dear, you know, maybe we just need to get you a different kind of wallet. You don't seem to be able to hang on to that kind very well. <laughs> I thought, that is so sweet. But um, airhead that I am, um, it wasn't the wallet, it was me. And we did what you normally do. You retrace your steps. And we had been going to go to a ball game, or we went to a ball game uh, that night. And before we went to the ball game, we went to Burger King. We said, okay, we went to Burger King. Did I take it in Burger King? You know, what did we do then? And well, we were, I needed a, I needed a new shirt anyhow. And um, uh, while we were in Burger King, I, I got a, a glass with ice, you know. And you know how those ice, the thing gets stuck, you know, with a little bit of Coke. And I saw I go start going like this, and you know what happens, don't you? It all lets loose at once, all over me, you know. Oh golly, so I just stuff on my shirt. So we just run over to Jordan Marsh and we get a get a shirt, and I took it out and, and changed it in the parking lot. And so, got home that night from the ball game and everywhere, no wallet. And so we retrace our steps. So what do we do? And, and uh, so anyhow, the next morning I'm waiting at Jordan Marsh's. It opens up and I go straight to the directly. And the guy remembers me. And she, he said, well, mister, we didn't find a wallet in here. And I said, oh, no. And the girl is a, is a really helpful girl. And so she says, well, let's just retrace your steps now. You were in here. You bought this shirt. And said, what would you do after you left? Well, and I knew I had it while I was in there. What did you do after you left? Well, I went out and changed. Well, how did you change? And I thought, what do you mean? I said, it's like a kinky about this. I said, well, I went out and I put the stuff in the thing and I took my shirt. And she goes, it's in your trunk. I went, it is in my trunk. And I went, I went, I drove back because I had a different car there that morning. Drove back and sure enough, it was in my trunk. Now, where's the application? Here's the application. I had that thing. I was driving around with that thing the whole time. It was right on me. It was my wallet. It was already been given to me. It was there. See, and I'm running around searching for it. You got my wallet? You got my, what, where is it? See, I'm seeking and asking, just like the Bible says, just continue to seek and ask and knock until you find. Okay, that's what was going on. Now, what, had hap- what would happen if I didn't seek it? Well, knowing how often we clean out trunks, <laughs> I could have traded the car in, never found it again, never found it again. But the fact was, I asked. That night before we went to bed, I got down in our little family circle of prayer and said, Lord, please give me my wallet back, including the money. I wanted the money. And, and there it was. I mean, it was already set to go off. So you see, what I'm saying here is that we need to ask so that we can make that connection. So that we know that that connection is made. And that's how important it is because there are many connections that will not be made. Many things we will go without if we don't ask. Well, what do we ask for? Well, there are a lot of different kinds of prayers. But let's take the Lord's Prayer as a model because that's what Jesus said to do. Pray like this. In, uh, in Luke 11, chapter 1, it says, How should we pray, Lord? And uh, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, Well, pray according to this, according to this model. Let's just go down the Lord's Prayer. And we had it done in a traditional way this morning. We usually don't do things traditionally. But, but just to remember, just, just to know, just to give us that feeling that down through the years, this has been a very important part of us all. 
First thing, about five things that the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer shows us to do. First, the first thing we ask for is intimacy and reverence. Our Father. By the way, please notice in the Lord's Prayer, there is never once mentioned the word I. It's always us, we. And that, what that says is that it's important to note that even when you're asking things for yourself, you need to ask them for the sake of everyone, not just you. So anyhow, our Father who art in heaven. Intimacy. Go to God and ask him for intimacy. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now, let me get off on a little tangent here, okay? won't take very long, but I feel like it's really important. I keep hearing <clears throat> from television evangelists mostly... That we should not pray if it be thy will. I want to say to you repeatedly. I heard a local television evangelist or television preacher the other day say. To, to say if it be your will is of the devil. Let me tell you something. To not say if it be your will is of the devil. The crux of the Lord's Prayer is to get into God's will and to receive what is God's will and to do what is God's will so that His kingdom can come. Now I say this knowing that most of the folks that say this are of the charismatic persuasion. And let me tell you something. One of the wonderful things that the charismatic movement gave us all was a seeking for the intimacy of God. It was the first point of the Lord's Prayer. To be able to say, not only our Father, but to say our Abba, our Daddy. The charismatic movement has been wonderful. It's gotten in, it has swept the land and gotten into so many dead churches. Where people just went by rote and did what, was, what, was, what they were supposed to do. And their spirits were flat as, a, flat as a flitter. Dead as a doornail. And so I can't tell you how important it is that God has sent this movement into this land. And that our spirits have been revived and that we have been able to come to God in joy and intimacy. There is no movement in recent history that has added as much to our, our churches as that. But let me tell you what's discouraging. The theology that people are coming up with, especially about prayer, is worse than airheaded. It is blasphemous. When you hear someone say to you that you have the same power to determine what God does in your life as Jesus Christ did. That Jesus doesn't have, that we are all little gods. Which I can name five TV evangelists that are saying that right now. We're all little gods. We are incarnate just as Jesus Christ was incarnate. Wait a minute. Don't even begin with that. Do you know what we, what we do when Shirley MacLaine says, oh, we're all little gods? <gasps> we just, we get, oh, new age, new age. Oh, we just get furious. Mormons come up to us. Hey, well, you know, after you die, you can, you can get to be a god. Well, we just, well, what a cult. That's a cult. Well, at least they leave it till after we die. The TV evangelists are saying, you're all little gods right now. You're all little Jesus Christ. No, we're not. Anytime you divorce 
you separate a request for God's intervention from a submission to his will, you've gotten too big for your prayer mat. You are indulging in blasphemy. You are beginning to believe that you know what is best for you better than God knows what is best for you. And you are not going to risk submission to him. That is heresy. So please don't get off on that track. Please. It is simply a religious word for a self-human-centered religion. Don't get off on that bent. Okay. I'm sorry, but I warned you. And there it was. There's also praying for our necessities, our needs. God loves to hear our needs. Remember when, you, remember when your little kids came up to you and they just literally couldn't do something? I remember when my boys used to come up and say they couldn't tie their shoes. And we hadn't caught on to the Velcro thing. So they'd come, and say, they'd come in and they'd, they'd, their, their little, little things would be flapping all over. They'd come up like that. Daddy, help. I love that. I love that. Of course, they, you know, and they couldn't tie their shoes. They got my coordination, my hands. They've run around with concrete hands their whole lives. And so they did that till they were 13 years old. All of them. No, that's not true. But, but I loved being needed. And God loves being needed. Now, I need to say this to you. Anytime you have a need, I want you to go to God with joy because he receives you with twice as much joy. But there's two dangers in this. First of all, let me ask you this. When is the last time you prayed a prayer that you really didn't need God for. Think about that. You didn't need God. You didn't didn't even need him there. You just needed to say it. You didn't need him. When was the last time you prayed a prayer that you could do it just as well on your own? God doesn't want that. I mean, he wants you to come to stuff... Come with him to stuff that you really do need him for. You are risking in faith something that he has to intervene in or it won't be done. That's the kind of request he loves. He loves to hear that. The two people that went down to pray, one was a sinner and the other one was a, was a Pharisee. And the sinner stood there and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And by the way, while I'm talking, time out. Give me one more tirade and then I'll quit. Don't get into this positive movement thing where you can't recognize yourself as a sinner anymore. Well, you know, we're not sinners and don't call people sinners. That hurts their self-worth and their self-esteem is so important to people. And, and that just causes psychological scars. And, and God, give it a break. We are sinners. I'm a sinner. What do they do with the guy who went down and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then the other guy with high self-esteem was up there going, man, I fast, I tithe. You know, I do all this stuff. And Jesus looked at him and said, which one went down justified? We are sinners. It's okay to say we're sinners. It's okay to know we need God. God loves that kind of request. When we lean totally on him. When we are of such poor spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See? 
When we know we haven't got a leg to stand on and somebody stole our crutches, you know, that's when we need to go to God. He loves that. So anyhow, pray to him. Make them needs. If you can do the other stuff, do it. You know, if you did have a 16-year-old come to you and say, tie my shoe, will you? What would you say? Tie it yourself, you jerk. You're 16 years old. Well, I wouldn't say you're a jerk. But you say, you're 16 years old. Get out of my face. Now, some of you parents would tie it. Cut it out. But the rest of you who want to raise responsible kids will let them do on their own what they can do on their own. Well... Sometimes I think we go to God with stuff we can do on our own. And the reason he doesn't respond is because he say, do it on your own. You don't need me for that. Okay? So anyhow, let's go on. Forgiveness. He wants reconciliation. He wants us to be forgiven and to forgive others. There's a major hindrance in our prayer life when that's not done. And then faith. For thine is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Listen, what do you do when you're done praying? The most important time of prayer is the five minutes after you've said amen. You know why? Because it's during that time that you decide, A, if you're going to look for an answer, and B, if you're going to do anything about to follow up in faith what you've just prayed about. It's the most important time of prayer. If you really believe that God has the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, then you will believe that he will make a difference from your prayer. And you will either go out to cooperate with him or you will go out to look for him. And you will not stop looking until you see what he's done. Now, let's talk just a minute about hindrances. You know that relational problems are hindrance. You've got to leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother, especially if your brother happens to be your husband, because that's a major hindrance to prayer. Selfishness, major hindrance to prayer. You know what? We've got to watch the language of our prayers. If I were to say to God, Lord, make me a great preacher, make me a great preacher. I could probably work into somehow that being God's will, couldn't I? Uh, Because wouldn't God benefit from one more great preacher? I mean, wouldn't the kingdom of God expand if only he would just make one more great preacher? So God, I know it's your will, make me a great preacher in Jesus' name. Let me tell you something. When I pray that prayer, and I have many times, I need to say in Joel's name. Because it's not the nature of Christ to want to make somebody great. It's the nature of Christ to want to make everybody, everybody come to the Lord. And so God's issue isn't whether or not he has another great preacher. It's how many people can understand his word. And so if I were to pray instead, Lord, help me hear you. And help me Clearly communicate what I have heard for the sake of your people. Then I can pray in Jesus' name. Then I can pray in Jesus' name. Otherwise, I've got to put my name on the end of it. So watch what you pray and how you pray. And then affix to the end of that prayer the person's name 
whose nature is in it. Okay? And then, you know, you can see the other hindrances there. The unbelief, the known sin, and so on. So those are real simple. Now let's talk about answers just for a minute. Two minutes. Maybe three. Maybe ten. Does all, does all prayer reach God? Yeah. All prayers that need Him. All prayers that abide in Him. If you are in Him, if you're praying because you're in Him and not because you're in yourself, He'll hear if you abide in Him. But let's talk about answers for a minute. Some answers are immediate. Some answers are immediate. Those answers that He has for you immediately and all you need to do is ask, come immediately. Chad's answer to prayer came immediately. Tonda had a, had a uh, she wanted to go to a pro-life rally and her mother said no. And she said, okay, you know, she had prayed about it and she had given it to the Lord and and her mother said no, and she was okay with that. And so she just prayed again. Lord, whatever you want with this, I'm okay with this. Two minutes later, her mother comes back and says, well, okay. You know, that was immediate. And all of us, I hope, have answers immediately to prayer. Now, <laughs> let me also say to you that some of us, when those answers come, we rationalize them. That they came from someplace else. Oh, well. You know, how many of you were sitting there going, now what could have been, maybe it was overheated, the golf cart. Uh, what could be another explanation for that? Come on. There's an answer to prayer. Ease up. You've got to, in order to have the answer to prayer, you've got to admit the answer to prayer. However, that's not where we usually get stuck. Where we usually get stuck is if a prayer is delayed. You know, we Americans love things done quickly. I don't think we realize how quickly one, we want everything done. I don't think we realize how impatient we are as a culture. Um, if we pray for something for two weeks or for two months or, or for two years, most of us will say, well, God's not going to answer that prayer. And what you really need to do if you have prayed that in Christ, in Jesus' name, you need to know God is going to answer it. Look, it says right here. It says in black and white. It says, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we, which, with which we have asked from him. Okay? So he is going to answer one way or the other. He will respond. You, you can't give up looking for it. Don't say he's, he hasn't answered. Say he hasn't answered yet. Very important. Keep looking. George Miller was, a, was an English uh, saint who built orphanages, started a whole movement in England, I think in the 1700s, maybe the 1800s. Um, but he was a praying man. And when he received Christ as his Lord and Savior, he immediately began to pray for five of his friends who he wanted in heaven with him. In five years... One of those five came to Christ. Ten years later, two more of them came to Christ. Twenty-five years later, another one came to Christ. And George Mueller died. Three months after George Mueller died, the fifth one came to Christ. All told, he had prayed for 52 years. That was a 52-year prayer project. And it 
was done. Please don't be fooled or discouraged by delayed prayer. Luke 18.1, Jesus said, This is said to you that you might always pray and not give up. That you might always pray and not give up. Okay? Don't, don't grow weary in well-doing. You keep praying. Number two, do you know that God can say no to you? Not very many people really do that, especially if you've got a messed up theology. If people's messed up theology, people won't allow God to say no. Or if God does say no, they quit believing. They'll show him a thing or two. Did you, did you read or hear about, uh, um, oh, who's that uh, CNN guy? Turner, Ted Turner. Is that the guy? Ted Turner? Okay. You know, he, a few weeks ago or a few months ago, he called Christianity a, a religion for a bunch of losers. And, uh, and that's okay. That's no big deal. Uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, God didn't spend uh, the day crying in the corner. Uh, but he had a friend who was a fundamentalist um, Baptist, or, or at least a Baptist, and he decided to go to that church and speak, and he apologized. He said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean this. But he gave some more important information. The information that he gave was that he had been converted several times as a young person to Christ. But his sister had gotten sick, and they had implored God for her survival, and she died. And so immediately, he quit believing in Christ. He, he determined that Christianity was a false religion. Same thing happened to me in Indiana when I, when I was, uh, or, or with another person that I was visiting, the, the, the uh, convicted murderer in prison. Visited him for two years, and boy, every time clemency would come up, he'd stand and he'd say, you know, this, I'm, and, 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 in Jesus' name, I command that this time I'll go free. Well, I wasn't even real sure he ought to go free. I can imagine what the clemency board was like. And after two years of not going, three, uh, going free, threw his Bible into trash. said, this is trash. This is a stupid religion, and it doesn't work. Well, the fact is, he had just never come to the place in his life where he had grown up enough that God as a parent could say no. No. He was still a spoiled brat. And Turner was a spoiled brat when he decided to rebel against his heavenly father and decide that no one could tell him no. Well, God can tell us no, and he will tell us no. If what we have requested of him is not in his plan for our lives, forget it. Does that mean he's not God? No. Does that mean you haven't prayed right? No. Does that mean you're praying for the wrong thing? Not from your perspective. But God knows more than we do. And he has the right to say no. But there's even a more common occurrence. And that is that God gives us a substitute. God answers our prayer with a surprise. Now, we are so focused on one answer to that prayer, we're going to miss the surprise sometimes. But God has the right to make a substitute. Let me, I didn't give you one scripture in here that I think is pretty important. Ephesians 3.20, if you want to turn to that with me. By the way, Ruth Graham, 
Billy Graham's wife said, thank God he tells us no sometimes. If he hadn't told me no, I would have married the wrong man several times. So he does tell us no, and he does it for our good. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, I'm sorry, exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Now, you know what he's saying right there? What he's saying is we don't even have the capacity many times to think of what God can do for us. Therefore, how can we pray 100% of the time the accurate right prayer? We ask, but God may have something different. It may be along the right line. It may be in the right vein, but he has something different for us. Let me ask you this. Did you ever go and rent a, go to rent a car? And they don't have, I mean, you go for the cheapie economy. <laughs> you, go, you go to rent a Pinto, you know. Give me a Yugo, you know, where your face is pushed up. You get this little tin thing with it. And, you, and say, well, we're out of them. Uh, what if we give you a Cadillac? Okay, same price? Yeah, same price. See, they made a substitute. And the substitute was up. I had a guy come down here one time. Went, went for the cheapest car he could possibly get. They were out of him. They gave him a Seville. Man, he was driving down the road. He just thought that was the coolest thing in the whole Paying for a Pinto or paying for whatever, whatever they call Thought that was the coolest thing in the whole world. You know what? The requests we make of God don't begin to broach or scratch the surface of what he wants us to have. We don't even have the capacity to know. And so therefore, we've got to write in on the bottom of every prayer request, but you can make a substitute if you want. Because he will always bump you up. He will always give you something better or deeper or more wonderful than you ask for if he makes a substitute. That's important. Please pray. Please pray. And please look for the answers because God wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be. Now let me give you just a little postscript to this and then I'll quit. Now we'll pray for a few minutes. <laughs> First of all, I came to a place in my life where I'd heard a story one time, and, I, and you probably have heard that story too, where a person dies and goes to heaven and they, and they bring them to, into their mansion, you know. In my father's house are many mansions, so you, you go into your mansion. And there's all these presents wrapped up in the corner. And he says, well, St. Peter, what are all those presents? And the St. Peter says, well, those are all the things we had ready to send down to you on earth, but you never asked for them. And so... I heard that story and I thought, you know, I'm just going to check it out here. You know, he's going to start asking for stuff um, that I really believe is God's will. And I don't believe is selfish, but I'm not going to be bashful about asking because I don't want to get to heaven and have a bunch of things that God wanted me to have and not have them. And that was the first stage, really, of my prayer growth. But I came to another stage of my prayer growth that I think is more important than the first stage. And that is when I pictured myself going to heaven. And I pictured God showing me not the things that I could have had that I never asked for, but the things that I could have been and never asked for. 
please, in your prayer life, don't get so tied up with things that you miss character. When God answers your prayers or when you're looking for God's answer, don't say, please, God, what will you give me? But God, what do you want to make me out of this situation? What kind of person would you have me become because of this situation? But there's also a third level. And I got it, believe it or not, from going to funerals. You know, when you go to a funeral of somebody who meant a lot to other people, and most times there's, there are a few people in every funeral where the, where the person was just, they thought the, they, hung, they hung the sun, you know, they just thought they were terrific people. And you stand around and listen to what these people say, and pretty soon you're going to come down to the bottom line of what bottom line of what's life's all about. Because funerals are good for summary statements. They are good for condensation of value. And for 20 years I've been doing funerals and going to funerals and listening to people. And I have yet in that 20 years ever to hear a wife stand beside her husband's casket and say, you know, I bet he would have got me, bought me a car, but I never asked for it. Never heard it. I buried a physician uh, early, early in my ministry and, hit, and her, his wife had been, had been sickly for like 10 years. And she didn't stand beside that casket and say, you know, doggone it. I, I thought I kept on him long enough. He could have healed me. Doggone it. Now he's gone. He, that, she, she didn't do that. I have seldom heard kids stand beside parents' um, um, caskets, even 50, 60-year-old children, and say, you know, this really bugs me. They, they could have made my life something. I mean, they could have made me a better character. And now here they're going, I can't believe this. A mess. They made me a mess. They didn't stick around long enough. Never heard that. You know what I hear? I hear this. I never quite could tell them enough what they meant to me. I never, I don't feel like I included them in my life as much as I wanted to. And if I could just have a little bit more time, I'd let them know how important they are to me. You know, the third level of prayer to me is not even, not, not getting things from God, not even becoming a person for God. It is including God in my life and telling him every day how important he is to me, how determinative he is in my life. When you pray, pray long term, pray deep, not just for things, not just for personality changes, but pray to include God and to see Him every day that you live. Let's pray right now.